Well, hey friends, Elisa Keaton here today. Get to hang out with you and introduce you to a new friend of the house. Her name is Saitsi Demirkova. I did it. I'm, I, it was, it's, a, it's a little bit of a tongue twister. She applauded me on my ability to say it. Saitsi is an amazing woman. She is an author and a preacher and a speaker, founder of a nonprofit that is focused on bringing relief aid in Bulgaria, specifically in orphanages, and also has some reach into Uganda and Ghana. And um, she also just recently wrote a book titled Motivated by the Impossible, Recognizing the Invisible Mentors in Your Life. I loved that. I instantly was like, who's my invisible mentor? Where, who are they? Where are they? And it is cool. What you're going to learn today is what she has been taught by the Lord to overcome a mindset for a woman who was born into communism. So for a minute, communism. We have so much freedom here in the United States and yet we still feel stuck. And this is a woman who was actually lived out bondage. She'll go into the fear mindset that she grew up in and then had to overcome. And it was through her walking with the Lord. Her story of meeting the Lord is awesome. Her story of um, just wanting to know a God and being out there, it's just so wonderful and pure because she literally, in communism, you don't hear about Christianity or Jesus. So it's just such an eye-opening conversation with someone that will help you count your blessings and go, okay, soul, let's get this, let's get this show on the road. We need to get in touch with our beliefs. She says uh, about what an invisible mentor is, it's any impossibility that tries to destroy past, present, or your future. Any impossibility that comes your way. She's really flipping it on its head and teaching you how to do that to overcome whatever circumstance seems like it's too much or overwhelming. But before we get going, listen up. You have one week left to join Revelation Wellness Instructor Training Platoon 27. This is it. We're down to the wire. Actually, did I say Platoon 27? I've been doing this a long time. This is Platoon 28. Come be a part of Platoon 28 and let the Lord fill you with His goodness as you get free, which is learn how to stop obsessing and neglecting and live in true freedom in your body, soul, mind, and spirit. Stay free know your true identity through Christ and live out your purpose with confidence and set others free. Be equipped and confident to lead others to health and wholeness through Christ. And listen, we have a majority of people are teaching, but we also have some that are not teaching. They do this for their own freedom. So don't be discouraged by the fitness. It's not about the fitness. The fitness is the tool. In other words, you have to bring your whole self to this this discipleship program. So that's what sets it apart. And transformation comes not just in hearing, but in doing and in trying new things. So you are in good company. Swipe up in the show notes to find out more. Get in. This is it. This is it. I always have to just encourage those of you that I know are sitting on the fence because of fear, shame, or unbelief. Stop. Come and get free. We have two tracks to choose from, Revelation Fitness, which is traditional group fitness, and then there's Rev X, which is metabolic athletic conditioning. 
Both groups learn how to facilitate the wellness revelation and use our brand new manual that combines what we do best, discipleship and wellness. There's no other program out there like it. You guys, this is a whole body, mind, soul issue. Come and get free. Your life won't be the same. I promise you. Okay, that's all I have to say about that. And now, Saitsi. Enjoy today's podcast. Peace. Revelation Wellness community, we are excited today to introduce you to a new friend of ours. Her name is Saitsi Demerkova. Say it with me, Saitsi Demerkova. So beautiful. You guys are going to learn so much about her unique call that she has to help others in the way that she does. Saitsi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be with you. So before I go and tell everyone all about you, I'd rather you say it in your own story. First of all, do a high level where you are and kind of what you're up to in this time of 2022. And then we'll talk a little bit more about kind of defining moments and what God called you to. Wonderful. Um, so originally from Bulgaria and you yes. did a fabulous job pronouncing my name. Beautiful. And I have lived in the U.S. for 27 years, currently moved from the West Coast to um, Oklahoma, Tulsa, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. So I am here, um, got married recently. So I relocated and um, I get to travel from here around the world. Awesome. And you recently wrote a book titled Motivated by the Impossible, Recognizing the Invisible Mentors in Your Life. Tell me a little bit about that book, why that book and, and who's an invisible mentor? And people are like, tell me more. Oh, absolutely. So um, from all of the years of living under communism and socialism in Eastern Europe and Bulgaria, I've learned that there's just challenging circumstances in life that can be devastating to us. And instead of taking these circumstances and becoming a victim of them, I decided to view them as invisible mentors. And Mm -hmm. the way I define an invisible mentor is pretty much any impossibility past, present, future that's going to come our way that is going to try to destroy our inner being, like remove the joy out of us and just the the breath out of us. Um, Mm. That is what an invisible mentor could be. Instead of like us looking at the circumstance and saying, this is going to destroy my life, we can look at it and said, what can I learn through this process? So for me, I decided I wanted to teach people to ask themselves the right questions during Mm. the different seasons of life so that they give themselves correct answers and define themselves correctly after that. Uh, But I do want to share a tiny story as a part of how that title even came about. Yes. Because I came to the U.S. with $100, didn't know the language, had 100 words in my vocabulary, and um, I felt like one day I want to write a book about motivated by the impossible. Like there's so many impossibilities and I'm going to conquer them. Yes. Well, 40 years into my life, I was 40 by the time, you know, I had the title when I was 19 at 40, I finally felt like I can finally write about the invisible mentors in my life. But the Lord spoke something to me and he said, you're now going to write about how you conquered the inward challenges rather than external challenges, because Mm. those are really huge impossibilities that a lot of times we focus on the external rather than conquering the internal and the beliefs and the attitudes. And 
uh, the expectations that we hold. And so I was lying in bed one day, my mom was uh, dying of cancer. Um, I had no place to live. My car had broken down, the computer had broken down and I was supposed to pay for her surgery. And so I was just overwhelmed with all of these circumstances. And as I'm lying in bed, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and he said, if you learn how to recognize all of these situations as mentorship season yes. in your life, they will never crush you. And I got up and I thought, okay, this is my a new defining moment in life when I actually am able to identify a circumstance and to say, this is not going to destroy me. I'm going to give it a future purpose to live in so that I can overcome it. So that's how the whole book and the whole premise of the book was born. Wow, such a good premise. And I know our audience listening resonates with it because we all have different circumstances, but namely everyone here at this listening to you is somewhat yeah, feeling a, you know, a, a push or a battle with their health or their mental health, like this feeling disconnected, this frenzy, anxiety, depression, stress, all the things. And so you are asking the right questions and talking our language for sure. So yeah. that's, that, was the, that was the moment for the book. Was there a defining moment for your call of what you do? Maybe explain more to people what you do, Saitsi, as a person loving God and helping others. Yes, absolutely. So um, when I was seven, growing up in communism, uh, my mom was pregnant with my sister at the time, and my sister was born premature. And unfortunately, she ended up passing in the hospital um, mm -hmm. in seven months. And so mm -hmm. I remember going out on the balcony at that time, because of communism, we never celebrated Christmas. We were told there is no God. We couldn't believe in God because people were put in concentration camps and killed for their faith. Oh, and wow. so I had absolutely no understanding that there could be a God that could love me and could care for me. But I remember going out onto the balcony and it overlooked the entire city. We have a castle that's kind of near in the distance from our uh, location of the house. And I, that was kind of like my comforting moments in life as a child growing up, just feeling like I am connected somehow with, with the universe uh, yeah. by just yeah. being outside. Yes. And I looked up uh, into the sky and I felt like, there is somebody who knows me by name. I don't know who that is, but he's wow. somewhere out there and knows me by name. And I made a promise to myself and to whoever that person could be. I didn't know that there was a God at the time that one day when I grow up, I'm going to help as many boys and girls in honor of my sister who passed away, uh, boys and girls that were in the orphanage. Well, then a year passed by and I started getting really depressed. By that time, I was eight years of age. And my parents thought in order to make me a little bit happier, they're going to try and adopt a, a boy from the orphanage. And orphanages in third world countries in those days, uh, and even to this day, are super limited on capabilities and food and physical touch. Like the kids literally die prematurely yes. Um, yes. or malnutritioned. So mm -hmm. there is a lot of circumstances there. That little boy was four and a half when we started the adoption. It was going through several different steps. And we really felt like by the time he turns five and a half, six, we're going to adopt him until the final um, closure. They called us and they said he has a lot of physical problems. 
and we don't have enough money to help him and they declined the finalization of the adoption at the time. So we couldn't adopt him and he ended up passing away shortly after that, uh, before he even turned six. And so another defining moment uh, partially in my life was connected to his passing. Once again, I go out on the balcony and at that time as an eight-year-old, I was shy, insecure, wanting to commit suicide, didn't have a purpose, but I felt like if one day I live enough and grow up into a place that I can help more boys and girls like him in the orphanages, then that's what I'm going to do. And so I carried that uh, negative circumstance that once I met the Lord at age 16, after yeah. communism had fallen, I mm. heard I was the first pre uh, person in my family to become a Christian. I gave my life to the Lord and immediately that thought of this is what I'm called to do. I'm called to help boys and girls from every walk of life have a better life. And um, I just want the Lord to give me this opportunity. And two years into it, I graduated from a German high school and missionaries came to Bulgaria and said, hey, you can actually come to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I'm currently again living here. <laughs> I started out in Tulsa um, and go to a Bible school there and learn all about the things that you want to do, become a minister, start preaching and start helping people and start a nonprofit organization. And, and so long story short, uh, through supernatural miracles, I end up getting a visa, got to the US with, like I said, a hundred dollars and a hundred words, mm -hmm. started Bible college. The Lord gave me supernatural understanding to speak the language. So I learned English in literally three months of, to fully be able to speak and understand in school. And then um, at 19, I started the nonprofit organization through the help of a church that sponsored me into that. And so now we have had Changing a Generation is the name of my organization. Yes. Yes. It's been in existence. This is our 27th year. And um, I have to say it's uh, beyond what my little eight-year-old mind could have comprehended at the time because oh, we have... Uh, 20 locations in Bulgaria. We work with uh, thousands of children from every neighborhood, every walk of life, Bulgarian, Gypsy, Muslim. And what we do is really, first of all, we offer them hope through the gospel. We share yes, the yeah. gospel with them. Um, we provide for their physical needs, for their emotional needs, uh, get them back in school, help the entire communities. We started building playgrounds in communities that absolutely have nothing for the kids to play with. And uh, so we're able to bring communities together and to see restoration in a country that has suffered so much from communism. That is incredible. And is, is uh, your nonprofit mostly, it's over there. Is there anything here in the United States that you're connected to through the nonprofit? Well, with the nonprofit, um, I do several things. Um, I've worked in the ghetto areas all around the U.S., uh, okay. particularly in New York and in Los Angeles, yeah. um, in being able to go and minister to people from, you know, a walk of life that they don't see themselves as overcomers. They see themselves as victims. Um, and I also am a speaker. So I travel and preach and speak in various diverse groups and churches and businesses all around the country as well. Um, in one way, I raise funds for our work in Bulgaria, and we also work uh, a little bit in Africa, in Uganda yeah. and Ghana. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, 
uh, the international work and the hands-on really is my home country, Bulgaria, and we have a Beautiful. team there. You are, yeah, you are one who was sent. Like the Lord sent you here, equipped you, got you what you, you know, the resources you need, the education, gave you that supernatural understanding. So you really would go back and make a difference from that moment of that boy passing yes. and the catalyst being your sister as well. Yes, Can, yes. I, I'm curious as to when you were 16, was it that you heard the gospel? Who who gave you the gospel? How'd that come about? Who shared the gospel with you? So um, shortly, like literally within weeks of communism falling, Russia dropped us um, from the supply chain of any food and electricity and water. And so we had enormous, huge lines of food, um, supplies shortage. And uh, so people are waiting in line. And a lot of missionaries started coming into Bulgaria to provide food for us. And it was a German group that showed up on our street in a big van with boxes of food. And they were actually lost. They were trying to find a different street to go and deliver the food. Um, but I was on the balcony and I was studying German at the time. So I understood that they were speaking German. And um, I ran quickly down on the street because I was so excited to see foreigners. See, a lot of people don't understand when you live in communism, it's a closed nation. No oh, foreigners yeah. are allowed to come yeah. in and you're not allowed to go out. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, these are like real people from Germany. So I ran up there, wanted to talk to them. And it was uh, two um, um, people that were adults with about 12 young people that that had brought in on a mission trip. And they came into the house, uh, gave me a box of food with chocolate, bananas, all kinds of items from Western Europe that we have never seen. And mm. there was a Bible in it. And I literally took the Bible. I've never seen a Bible in my life and because it was covered around the chocolate. It smelled so good. And I said, oh, I want to read this book. I want to find out who wrote this book. And they said, well, it's the Bible. It's about Christianity. It's about God. Come tonight and you'll hear more about it. So I went to an outreach meeting that they were doing in the city. And um, the person speaking that night was talking about Jesus, how he can heal. Well, I had pain in my stomach for three years, and because of it, I could never just fully enjoy life. And I said, okay, so God, if you're really alive, if you're out there, I need you to heal me first, because then I'm going to believe in you. But I was involved in witchcraft prior to that, so I knew of supernatural things. Yeah. But yeah. what I knew also is that those supernatural things could never heal my body. They Ooh. brought more fear. And Ooh, I could hear yeah. voices, I would see things, but I would never be at peace. Right. And yeah, so when I said, God, if you're real, then I want you to heal me first. And I want you to be more powerful than all these other things yes. that I have done or seen. The pain immediately left. And I felt like I am healed. Like there is a God. He, he does know me. So mm. I gave my life to Jesus that night, the first Christian in my family. And I decided I'm going to stand for my family, make a pathway, started reading the book of Acts right away from Ooh. that Bible that they gave me. Oh, wow, and yeah. uh, within two weeks, I decided I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be like all these disciples. Uh -huh. And of course, at that time, because most people were still uneducated about the Bible, yeah. um, people came up to me and said, there is no women preachers in the Bible. And um, not even thinking about it. And thank God, I always say, 
I am so grateful that I met Jesus before religion found me because Jesus is different than religion. Um, He doesn't keep us in bondage. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, I don't care if you haven't read the Bible and you can't find any women in it, which there are plenty of women in it. Come on, that's Um, right. But ignorance is a bliss, right? Yeah. And so um, I said, I'll be the first one then. You know, (laughs) God, God told me that's what I'm going to do. So I guess I just have that little stubborn streak in yes, me girl. Of, yeah. I'm going to go against the flow and challenge whatever mindset is there that's preventing us to move forward. I think we, I, man, I'm like, we could, yeah, we were separated at birth. I have that same, <laughs> that's why Revelation Wellness exists because everyone feels a challenge, feels like it can, and that it's always going to be this way. You're always stuck in whatever it is. I'm like, no, there's that's a, it's a perspective thing, really. Absolutely. So let's jump into your, your book again, talking about invisible mentors. How can we recognize an invisible mentor in a circumstance? Um, I would say, just like you said, perspective is so important because um, if I um, don't feel like I am capable of overcoming something and it's going to destroy my life, then my perspective is basically I am the victim of the circumstance and God is either abandoned me or I am full of fear. Um, So all of those negative thoughts and emotions rise up and become more powerful than the actual um, situation that is happening. And so um, what I encourage people to do is, first of all, remember where you came from and what God has done in your life. And if you're Um. not a Christian and you don't believe in God, you can still look back and look at the positive things that have happened and how you have overcome them. And uh, Mm -hmm. once you know that you're already an overcomer, if you have overcome one thing, even if it was very insignificant, that means you have the power within you to overcome more. And so when you look at an invisible mentor, I'll give you another invisible mentor. I got really sick when I was uh, early 30s, between 31 Mm -hmm. and 33 with uh, diagnosed with tumors on my thyroid from the radiation Chernobyl explosion that took place in uh, Ukraine in the 80s. And so my hair is falling out. I was like 86 pounds, Mm -hmm. didn't have um, just the stamina to continue forward. I was doing natural detox. I I wanted to opt out of um, everything else and wanted to do everything natural. And so I woke up one morning and I said, this is an invisible mentor for me to change my health, health and my wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of giving in, um, how am I going to learn how to create less acidity in my body, become more alkaline? How do I start to exercise and take care of my body? Because my mindset was so on the supernatural and the spiritual that I neglected my physical body and it was suffering every day. And so that was a new invisible mentor. So people, instead of asking themselves, why is this happening to me? The question is, what is this going to bring out of me that is going to move me forward in life? And how is this mentoring me right now? So we have to give the circumstance a future purpose to live in. That's very important. Like, how is my health challenge right now going to have a future purpose? So while I was still sick, I decided we're going to start health courses. We're going to teach people how to eat healthy, how to think healthy, how to stay strong. And while I was in my healing journey, I was helping people around me. 
That's um, the word. Yeah. And it's totally a man, mental uh, wellness. And that's why I love what you do and how you train people as well. Mm-hmm. That if we can conquer it right here, Amen. then we have mm-hmm. conquered everything. If we Amen. can conquer it in our mind. Yes. Amen. Man, you just said, I hope everyone heard that, especially Revelation Wellness instructors, that as you were healing, you were going. You didn't wait to go once you were healed. And now I'll go teach everyone what I know. And it's so powerful. The Lord helps us in our weakness. We have his backing. If we just give him our yes and our attention, our mind set on him, and then it's okay. I've got to learn some things. I need to learn some practical things that aren't not available to me. So you dug in, started learning and teaching it. And that's, you know, it sounds like you've got some, um, a heart a little bit for neuroscience, a little bit of the mind connection. Tell me a little bit about that of a believer versus a non-believer in our our prefrontal cortex. Teach us. Oh, absolutely. So while I was living in Seattle, I met um, with Lou Tice, who was the founder of the Pacific Institute. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, Mm -hmm. Um, but um, their courses uh, at that time absolutely changed my life because I can tell people I did this, but I had no way of telling them how I got to what I did. And um, taking the uh, behavioral psychology principles, understanding how our mind and emotions work, I finally was able to find the right words to guide people on an actual path of change rather than telling them uh, an overall, well, you can change. Well, unless people know how, they can't do anything about it. Um, So one of the things that I have found out, and I want to make sure that I opened it in my book because I did a lot of research on that, um, Uh on contemplative prayer and how it changes our mind and the frontal cortex of our brain. Um, because what ends up happening is people pray and they don't believe that there is power in the prayer, um, or they don't see their prayers answered right away. And here is a study that has been done by a person that I'm not sure if he is a Christian or not, but let's just say that he was just doing specifically a study to find out the difference between the belief systems in different people and how strong is their frontal cortex because the frontal cortex of the brain um, is where we make all of our decisions in our logical sense. And so it controls most of our life. And when it's underdeveloped, then we can make a a good processing and we can have a good processing um, information flowing through our mind. So this name, the name of the uh, doctor is Michael Spezio. And uh, he is talking about the conscious decision to quiet my mind daily in order to hear from God um, and to be still. Like quieting and be still is very important because a lot of people think that prayer consists of you talking and rattling a whole bunch of prayers out there and uh, (laughs) then you just walk away. And the way I look at contemplative prayer is the grounding foundation of my life where I just sit and I meditate on a verse. I Mm. think through circumstances. I can be driving for hours without music or anything going on Mm -hmm. in the car just because I feel like I am in connection with the God of the universe and I want to allow him to speak peace Mm. and thoughts into my life. Mm -hmm. And um, people still believe that two forces are against them either 
the devil is against them or God is against them. And so they give external blame to the circumstances and to people, including God and Satan. Mm -hmm. But what I believe is that you can actually, as a Christian person and a believer, can come to a place of walking in peace, walking in confidence, and literally walking without fear and doubt as to who God is. Uh, When you come to a place of taking a scripture meditating on it as long as it continues to speak to you don't move on to like the next scripture like keep on adding um understanding of what that means um sometimes i just create one verse for the year and Mm -hmm. i think throughout it for the whole year like for example for this year my word is uh strength and being strong starting Mm -hmm. out strong and finishing Finishing. strong Mm -hmm. and um how do we do the endurance part um like in joshua 1 8 be strong be bold be courageous by meditating on my words and um so this study here back to that part um when he was explaining it is basically the suspension of all narrative and we all have different narratives that go on in our mind mm-hmm. um and evaluative thought which means the practice is an intentional orientation in the mind to consent to the presence and connection of the divine to all life at all times. So the word consent actually means to simply be aware and acknowledge that this connection exists between us and God and that we're unable to achieve anything uh, really in life outside of him and that connection because that creates a void and it leads to fear. And uh, when we have fear, and you know, in the last two years, the word fear has become a normal part of people's life. Everything on the news is fearful. Um, no matter where they turn, it's bombarded with fear. And I'll, yep. I want to talk a little bit about fear in a minute, but fear yeah. here, um, in this sense, when we understand fear, it lowers our resilience. It yep. lowers our level to persevere during challenging times and we basically give up and when we don't have the resilience and the courage in us because of fear then we literally have internal stress and that internal stress creates additional toxicity that ends up destroying our immune system and then we can't find off diseases so isn't it interesting that fear and the plans of satan are all connected with this connection with anxiety, with stress, with toxicity, and uh, with uh, death, basically, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. without immune system, we can't fight um, right. any of the diseases that are around us. So he did uh, a particular study between three different groups of people, and I love this part. One was just people who had positive thinking. The second one was relaxing techniques people who did yoga but they didn't believe in god and then the third group was people who actually exercised on daily basis contemplative prayer and they were connected to god and uh, they were asked to put their hands in extremely cold water Uh and they wanted to see how long they can keep their hands in that water and in um you know, making a difference between a person who has absolutely no idea of how to persevere through challenges. Um, Those people in that particular fourth group, they immediately took their hand out. It was too cold for them to endure. 
but those three groups they did pretty good but the only people and uh, that were left with the longest time of their hand in the freezing water were the ones with the contemplative prayer all right that were connected to god so they did a study on their brain they actually did a scan Mm -hmm. and they found out that the frontal cortex of the brain of people who pray to god not just praying to anybody but praying to christ Mm -hmm. had two times greater capacity and it was two times more developed than the brain of somebody else who exercised positive thinking, who uh, thought natural positive things, but had absolutely no connection. And wow. what that basically means is when your brain is um, connected uh, to God, you can imagine, that's why it says you are made in the image of God. You have that connection with him. You can think his thoughts that the frontal cortex of the, our brain can grow two times more to endure and persevere through extreme right. challenges. Yeah. So if, uh, if you're a follower of Christ, you got to be just that should give us the excitement right there yeah. um, to know we're not alone yeah. and we can endure to the very end. We don't yeah. have to give up prematurely. And he's equipped us. We're not alone. And he's told us what to do meditate, keep my laws before you remember me, who I am and who you are. Sounds to me like if your word is finished strong and end strong for the year, you're going to have a lot of contemplative prayer going on in your life, (laughs) Saitsi. Yes. More more than maybe challenges and a lot of prayers. (laughs) Yes. Amen. Okay. So let's talk, let's talk about fear. We've lived in a fear intoxicated culture for, I mean, was there before, but COVID has only brought it up more. Um, Teach us a little more about fear and what does the person do who is battling fear in that circumstance? Um, Yes. So fear, uh, most people even are afraid to say the word fear. They're afraid to even say, I'm afraid. Mm, And I think that's the first thing that we need to conquer right now is changing um, words that would have a negative connotation in our belief system and yeah. giving them a positive meaning because fear really is the primary need in our life. Yeah. So it's Amen. like giving us a signal that something needs to change or that something is happening and we need to pay attention. Yeah. So um, we have uh, four primary needs. And uh, the first one is joy, which elicits um, for us to have somebody to celebrate with us and elicits that need of celebration. The second one is heart, which elicits for somebody to come and actually comfort us. The third one is loneliness, which Mm. elicits for somebody to come and be in companionship with us. Um, And then the fourth one is the fear. um, And that primary need of fear elicits the um, protection. So if Mm. we know that we're protected, then immediately the fear leaves. But when we don't know that we're protected, we continue to live in that negative realm of what's going to happen and how am I going to live and how is the future going to form? And um, when we know that we're protected by God and by his promises that are true, then that gives us courage. So I love to use the the word fear and courage together because when you understand the character of God, that he's unchanging, that he loves us in an unconditional way, that he's never going to forsake us, and that he is always going to protect us. And then um, 
you have the courage out of connection with him. We can't master up courage on our own because we're going to run out of courage eventually. But yeah. if we have courage connected to our relationship with Christ, then every single morning I draw from the well of Christ and his character and promises yes. rather than from my own thoughts. Yeah. But um, the way I understand uh, fear is by understanding that we respond to value and threat in life. Mm. And so when we value something, we move towards what we value. Yes. When we are threatened by something, we move away from it, yeah. but sometimes we even run towards it. So mm. let me just give you an example. Like if, if somebody comes on the street and points a gun at you and says, get out of the car, I'm stealing your car, otherwise I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. Even though you value your car, um, at this point you're going to value your life more. So the threat now became literally in a negative way exchanged with the value. And the threat is now causing you to abandon what you're valuing, what you've paid for, in order to protect something greater that you value and that's right. your life, life. Mm -hmm. and so now the threat exceeds the value and you run away in order to protect the greater value in life what we have seen in the last two years is manipulation of the behavioral psychic of a human being to value threat more than they value their life wow that's a word and so people begin to respond to the threat and they begin to say, well, I value my life now, but in reality, they're valuing the threat, the threats of the governments that are around the mm -hmm. world. And I can speak from a firsthand experience being raised in communism of how mm -hmm. every single day the threat was done through fear. Every wow. single day of my life, right. you wouldn't even have any laws. You wouldn't have anything going on, but all the media had to do is propagate to us every day the wow. fear factor of what could happen and what would happen if we didn't obey. And therefore, you come into a society. I was born already in a preconditioned society of fear. Mm -hmm. And so everybody mm -hmm. had learned how to live in their little box, how to be afraid, how not to speak up how uh, to betray, like, because betrayal was a part of the fear, um, yeah, their neighbors, yeah. how to, um, you know, we had KGB, well, KGB didn't know who to go and arrest and throw in concentration camp unless they had informants. And so uh, none of this is any different than what's happened in the past, because it's preconditioning the society to live disconnected from each other, to live in fear of one another, and in fear of losing their life loved ones and someone else so when we hear the word fear and there is nothing to protect us we got to ask ourselves is the person the people whoever is telling us this information how are they protecting us and mm. if they're not protecting us then that information cannot serve a, a purpose to bring value to us i disregard information that is not of value to me according to my value system because I will not allow somebody who I have never given authority in my life from TV to speak into my life fear. So people have to become so mentally ready to offset any thought, belief, 
and word that come into them trying to bombard them to create new values for them. Um, that's why it's very important when I uh, teach people, I tell them define yourself according to the way God's defined you, according to how you want to see yourself so that the world and anybody around you doesn't define you. Because if you start defining yourself according to how everybody else wants to see you, then you're going to live according to their expectations and according to their value system. But if I've defined myself as a person who is strong and um, who overcomes challenges, who fears God and who is always going to end victoriously on the other side, and I'm not just uh, some girl that came from communism, I am a powerful speaker. I had to learn to define myself like that because in the beginning, people only saw the shy, timid girl that couldn't speak English well with a big accent. And they would define me like that. Oh, we have this girl with a cute little story. And I'm like, that's not who I am. And so I took their words and I changed them by going to the mirror every day and telling to my fears in their face. Um, would you actually talk afraid. into the mirror? Would you Would you yeah. actually do it in the mirror? Yeah, there is, there's yes. psychology behind that too, guys, with like seeing yourself mirror to yourself and say to yourself, I know it sounds kind of woo woo and like, oh, it's not real, but there's power, especially if it's in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I Absolutely. say to myself, soul rise up. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, you uh, understand the mirroring neuron. That we as humans mirror the behavior of someone else or their actions. And uh, so if I, because I came by myself, I didn't have a lot of people to talk to in the beginning. I was actually in housing for three months all by myself uh, during the summer break. And I would talk every single day out loud to God and to myself because I felt like I I would lose my mind if I can't talk to anybody. Back to loneliness, that need to meet that loneliness need. Yeah. So I would literally sit at the table and have dinner for myself and put another plate across from me and talk to Jesus as though he is there talking uh, to him in in out loud, like literally out loud. And then I would go to the mirror and I would tell myself the sermons I wanted to preach one day in front of people. And I would tell myself, if I don't believe in this sermon, then nobody else is going to believe in it. So I would preach myself into believing what I was actually, (laughs) uh, what was inside of me. And that's the the way you overcome whatever fear it is. I'm I'm not even just talking about fear of a virus or situations that are happening right now. People could be afraid to even stand up and speak in public. They could be afraid of making a phone call and doing a sale. They could be afraid of starting their business. You know, there are so many fear factors but fear is connected also to our beliefs. And um, before we can force our will over fearful thoughts, we should examine what is our belief system. What do I believe about myself in this particular situation that's actually causing me to be more afraid? Yeah, that's good. That's um, because good. beliefs change our attitude, change our expectations, and change our habits. And um, so every year I identify new beliefs that are restrictive beliefs and new beliefs that are positive beliefs that I have built within the year about myself, about God, about my perception of circumstances. And when I see that a belief is negative, then I remove it by replacing it. 
So you can't just remove something and expect it to go away. You have to have a replacement belief on it. Um, so I'll give, a, uh, I give the audience an example. Um, even though I was a speaker and I wrote books and I was traveling and I felt like on the outside, I was so successful, but on the inside, I still saw myself like the girl that grew up in communism. Like I was just never going to be good enough. And I had to operate on a level of such perfection that uh, if it wasn't perfect, I wasn't going to do it. And mm -hmm. that really came from uh, being raised in a shame type of a environment. And mm -hmm. so I didn't know that that was a belief that was holding me back. So when I would go and speak, people would tell me, well, we don't really have enough money to pay you. And I'll be like, okay, well, I guess I'm not that great anyway. So mm -hmm. I'm fine with a very small fee uh, for the payment. And barely survived the first several years of my life because I would never charge anybody because I never believed that I am yeah. capable. Yeah. Until one day when I started going to the Pacific Institute and Lou Tice, he passed away since, but he said to me, the reason you are like this is because you actually don't value yourself and your belief system is that you're not worthy. Woo. Hey. And I thought, oh no. Like, out. really? Somebody <laughs> just read my entire Man. mail and I was right. trying to cover it all up. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he said, but let's just work on that. Let's just help you have proper affirmations so that you change your belief system. Like what makes you worthy of somebody's love? What makes you worthy of you actually standing in front of people? I mean, one, it's obviously the Lord opens the doors, but two, didn't you study? Didn't you develop That's yourself? Right. Didn't That's you right. uh, put the time and the effort to be the That's person right. you are? So you That's need right. to value all of that you have done. So I really want to just encourage um, your yeah. audience, start and build from your success, not from your failure. Yeah. Remember the level of your success, even yeah. if it, it's insignificant in comparison to somebody else, don't yeah. compare with somebody right. else, compare with yourself. Yeah. And if you have overcome that, tell yourself, this is my new normal. This is yes, who I am. am. And That's from right. today on, I built from this normal, not from a previous old mindset. And then good. you move on to the next level. It's so good. You guys, in the season, this air, podcast is airing. I know we're you know working out some, not everyone, but some people are like, I need to do some new things. I'm making new habits. I'm making new decisions. And you hit two very key things that we've been talking about. And you're reinforcing the fact that you, first of all, it's your own, your own race. It's your own uh, call that God has, has put on your heart to do those decisions. So you can't compare that small celebration, like small things need mm -hmm. a big celebration. Look at the things and take little by little. Uh, scripture tells us, do not despise the small things. Those small things are powerful. So looking Absolutely. at that and not trying to go, oh, I'm not as far as I want to be. Well, look at the small step that you took, really celebrate that. And then you also mentioned, um, was it, oh gosh, I left my head. You said not to do that. And I guess it was just the comparison side as well. It's, it's, it, everything you're speaking is exactly what people need more of, I think, in this season they're in. Uh, Setse, as we wrap up our time, what's, I always like to ask a couple of questions. What is the one thing, if you could say something today to a woman or a man listening to you, what is it you want to say? What's the one thing you want them to leave with today? 
well, never limit yourself because you serve an unlimited God. Mm -hmm. um, and everything that you desire to do, trust in those desires. A lot of people usually say, well, I don't know if those desires are from God. If they have stuck with you and they align with the word of God, then those desires are from God to help people yes. to uh, exceed uh, and to uh, pursue the dreams and the visions. If you're going to be helping other people around, including your family, a lot of times people think I have to change the world. Your world could be just your family. family it so. doesn't have to be an entire nation. But, yeah. um, you know, starting small doesn't mean that you're going to stay small. So don't limit yourself according to the current circumstances and think bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. I now remember the second thing you said, identity. Think in line with who you are, not what yes. you want. Who you are changes the paradigm and from which you, Absolutely. You, you walk and think and talk. So good. Okay, you guys, I know you're going to want to know more about Setsay, Setsi, Setsi. Yes. <laughs> and you can find more by going to uh, her website at Saitsi. Is it Saitsi.com? Saitsi.org. Saitsi.org or InvisibleMentors.com. And then the book is yes. available where? On both. It's available on uh, both websites. It's available on Amazon. Um, they can even download it as a um, online version if they want to. And it comes with an online course. So wow, if cool. people want to actually pursue more and understand more, um, when they read the book, they feel like, okay, this kind of went over my head or I need some community to yeah. uh, study with yeah. me. I have seen people come in groups and uh, take the books and they started it together with my videos and the online course. And it really helps them to uh, process the information because uh, the book has interactive guide in it. So after every chapter, I have included questions and mm -hmm. um, a visualization for the mm -hmm. images that are connected to the principles so mm -hmm. that people can actually see it and they can write it down. It's very important um, when people read a book, uh, especially something like this that changes the perspective, the behavioral aspect of our life and uh, increases our faith to write things down um, and not to be ashamed to write it down where you're starting at. Because when you look back, you can think, whoa, look at yes. me. Like I yes. progressed on this journey from this yes. point to this point. So that's available on invisiblementors.com. And if anybody is on the version app, I have a couple of um, uh, studies on there as well that are connected to the book. All people have to do is spell out my name, C-E-I-T-C-I, -C -I, mm -hmm. and uh, it will pop up with the uh, information. I'll be including more online uh, Bible studies there as well and courses and uh, anything is on the website they can check it out you are definitely one of our kind of people we're so glad you're here today I just feel like the Lord's saying Satsi is a girl who decided to change her beliefs and now through it you're literally changing the world especially with these orphanages and how you love others it's it starts with what's going on in us you're a living example of being changed Absolutely. from the inside out and making change happen for others. So thank you. Thank you it. so much. Love it. Actually, I have three fire off questions. These are fun ones. I have to ask them or my audience will be upset. You have okay. to choose uh, coffee, tea, or kombucha. What's your go-to? Uh, love kombucha. Me too. What's your favorite brand or kind? Any Or do you home make it? Um, no, I don't home make it. Um, I love the ginger lemon. Uh, yeah. But 
I I don't know the brands. I okay. never them. They're but- all there's too many now out there to count, but yes, yeah. you're just like me. I'm a kombucha girl. I have to like mont, like keep myself under control. I don't drink coffee. I drink plenty of water, but okay. Next one. Um, favorite way to move your body. Um, I love stretches and, yeah. uh, even just like stretching throughout the day, uh, taking mm-hmm. time to like get up and, uh, mm-hmm. do something like, mm-hmm. uh, walk around the house, go outside, you yeah. know, it's very important for us to move. Um, yeah. especially if I have a, an all day, uh, yeah. job to be around the computer. Um, yeah. I have the tendency to just forget to move yes. and so I have uh, now made it you know they say you have to move every few minutes um, yeah every 50 every minutes, minutes every fi- yeah, yeah I've, I've read for 30 to 50 but just get up and move for five to ten like just change yeah. your state change your state yeah. whether you're seated stand up move somewhere else yeah absolutely yeah so good okay last legs. last one um if your favorite like l- workout lounge wear that you like to wear or where you shop and get it from Oh, so most of my clothes I get in Bulgaria. So oh, probably wow. not going to None of us are going to find it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love um, like this is a, a dressy shirt, but also it's kind of like, um, is it spandex? Yeah. Um, so it's active. It's active wear yes. in a sense. Yeah. I love something like that, that basically like gives me a hug, but at the same time I can move freely. Move in it. Amen. Uh, yes. That's it. That's I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a pair of jeans today and I'm just kind of every day. I'm like, jeans are not nice. I like, I like something that stretches and moves with me. They're so rigid. All right. Yes. That, that's the important stuff. I know you all waited for those very important questions <laughs> at the end. See, see, thank you for being here. We will be thank talking you. to you again soon and following you in all the places. Everyone go check her out more. And we look back, forward to having you back. If you write a book or doing something else, let us know. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Peace.